Hello, I'm Nick Baker, and this is the UK Wildlife Podcast. Hello, welcome to the UK Wildlife Podcast. I'm Neil Phillips. And I'm Victoria Hillman. And welcome to our special stag beetle episode we've decided to squeeze an extra episode in this month and we're going to skip all the news and what we've been up to because it hasn't been that long since the last episode but we thought we'd have a little episode about stag beetles because it's sort of peak time for them and lots of people are talking about them online so we thought we'd share some information and facts about them and we're gonna we're actually going to cover both the stag beetle and the lesser stag beetle yeah um so i think do you want to kick us off with the with the stag beetle, the the one that most people know and love, Neil? Arguably our largest species, although personally I consider the great silver water beetle, not that I'm biased with poor man, which is actually heavier as the biggest, and of course some dragonfly species are longer too. The male is the familiar one. It's got these large red antlers, black head, black forehead, brownier light or wing cases, and they're up to sort of seven and a half centimetres long which is, oh, what's that, an old one, about three inches or so. I mean, they can be a lot smaller. The females are similar, but they don't have the antlers. A bit of sexual dimorphism there for you. There's a nice biological term to remember. And they only get to about five centimetres long, because obviously you haven't got those antlers to increase the length. Uh, you can find them sort of flying around and crawling around from May to July. The old books say up to August. We think they've declined so much that you don't tend to find them in August anymore, because you don't. there's not enough of them to have those stragglers for people to find. Now, despite those big pincer antlers at the front there, which is actually their mouth parts, their mandibles, they're not dangerous. Now, if you read the old books, they say only the female can bite and the male can't hurt you. I remember a few years ago, there was conflicting text and ideas on it. So I stuck my finger between <laughs> the mandible <laughs> of a stag beetle. And As you do. <laughs> and it can break the skin. And other people have said, yes, it was conflicting things. So I thought one way to find out. Um, yeah, and it hurt. It didn't. I don't think it cut me, but I have seen people it draw blood. But it was all in the name of science. Exactly. Yeah. There's also, on the same note, don't stick your fingers in an Ida's beak because they can crush crabs. Ouch. <laughs> but moving swiftly on. So the female has these much smaller jaws, but they're much more powerful. She can use them to chew wood, which we'll come to later. Um, and the larvae as well have these same wood chewing jaws. So I wouldn't recommend putting your finger in their <laughs> mandibles unless you want a nasty surprise. You literally do have to put your finger in their mouth to get bitten pretty much. So don't have to worry about them. They tend to be found in sort of woodlands, parks, gardens, where there's rotting wood under the ground, which is where the larvae tend to grow. You may find them uh, generally associated with oaks, but they have an interesting distribution in the UK. So they're found across Europe, all the way up to sort of Russia, Poland, that sort of eastern end. And they're declining across Europe as well as the UK. So they are an endangered species. But in the UK, we're sort of in the northwest limit of their range. And you only find them as far north as Mid-Suffolk. And it's like a diagonal line going across the UK down to sort of Hampshire, Dorset region where you find these. But you just there's a few records here and there, like the old one in Cardiff and further north in England. But there just seem to be stragglers. And they could be ones where some wood's been moved around or something like that. Or, or they've been moved around in pots and you just don't know. But you tend to find them mainly in sort of the New Forest, Surrey, Greater London, West Essex, sort of across that whole band there and there's another clump of population in south suffolk and a little bit along the south coast as well they seem to be recorded a lot of this data is coming from the people's trust for endangered species have been doing a lot of work trying to survey these guys now as to why that distribution is the case 
there's a few theories. I don't know if we really know for sure from what I can see, but I think it's linked to climate and soil type maybe as well. So there's the soil, for those that know anything about geology in the UK, we'll probably know there's sort of bands of chalk and sand and various different soil types as the rock type changes um, as you go further northwest from the UK. And perhaps because they feed on rotting wood and you get different types of fungus in different soil types, maybe the different fungi types I've seen suggested is, is what's limiting their spread. But it's probably an element of climate as well, being that southeastern distribution as well. Adult size varies across Europe. So in Spain and Germany and the Netherlands, they'll tend to be larger than from the UK and Belgium. Now, the adults themselves don't feed very much. They tend to feed on sort of sugary liquid from dead fruit and stuff like that because they've built up enough body reserves as a larva to last them the few months that they live as adults. The reason they fly, which is the males are generally the ones that fly, is to track down females. And the females will fly about a bit to find suitable places to lay eggs, obviously. But the males track them down by using pheromones, which the female produces. And I've watched this happen. I've seen a female on a tree. As the sun starts to set, so evening time tends to be when they're most active, and the males, you can hear them buzzing around above your head. They're, they're good, strong flyers, but they're not very accurate. And you tend to hear them sort of crash into trees and lights and walls and stuff like that. And the male sort of buzzed round, did a circle, then landed at the bottom of the tree. And he climbed all the way up the tree to, up to the female. And I'd been watching, I think it was Life in the Undergrowth. And they'd shown some tropical stag beetle. And it's this, you know, this big display to the female to show how strong he was. So I'm waiting to see what the British species do. And he climbed up the tree found the female, crawled on her back and just got on with it. It was all quite boring and, you know, no courtship, shall we say. So all the males are attracted to the females by pheromones, which means you can end up with more than one male per female. That's what frequently happens in nature. And of course, they're going to have to decide who gets the female. And they do that by literally fighting. So that is why the males have evolved these great big strong antlers. And it's to try and pick up and dislodge their opponents. And if they're on a tree, they're trying to throw them off the branch on the ground they try and sort of flip them over and you know get them out of the way basically and some studies have looked into this and they suggest that they've also evolved stronger claws if you look on the male's claws on the end of their legs called tarsi which you look at most insects they have these sort of a pair of claws at the end of each leg or foot that's what's used for climbing and obviously the bigger and stronger ones you've got the harder you are to dislodge and looking at the fights, uh, scientists have found that 85% of the time, the larger beetle will win because he's going to be stronger and have longer antlers and be more able to lift up the other beetle. But where you get ones that are very closely matched, the fight will last longer, which is quite logical when you think about it. And basically, the winning male gets to mate with the female. Looking at there's a few websites which I'll mention at the end with some information. One of them shows some evidence that the males will actually guard the females before and after they've mated with her. Uh, I've read around trying to find out a bit about their breeding and egg laying and over the years I've read various bits and pieces but it's really hard to track sometimes it's really hard to track down the stuff you've read a few years ago and there's also conflicting information on some of this and a lot of this I don't think has been peer review researched but there's been lots of observations just to give you a little bit of a warning that it might not be 100% peer reviewed accurate some of this stuff it looks like once the females have mated they'll fly off or crawl off and they'll try they'll find a suitable patch of rotting wood that's underground and go down up to 30 centimeters below the surface and lay the eggs in the soil next to the wood so not laying it in the wood they're laying it next to it and they make like a little nursery for the egg uh, chew up some wood to put in there 
The female also leaves a packet of microbes, uh, so that's bacteria and stuff, that help the larvae to just rot in wood. When they, so when they emerge, they've got a, a source of that as well to go in their gut. We don't really know what happens in the wild because it's really hard to observe all this stuff. We think she may lay eggs at multiple sites. Some people say that they will actually go back to where they emerge from as well, but some must go elsewhere, otherwise you have zero spreading from the original habitat. After three weeks, the eggs hatch, but the larvae themselves can take up to six or even seven years to grow into an adult. But it can be as little as two. And during this time, they molt two times. So that's three instars, which is what they call each stage in insect. But they tend to get to that third and last instar within a year and then just spend the rest of the time, once they've reached a sort of almost maximum length, fattening up, basically. So once they're fully grown, they pupate that autumn and by the end of the autumn they've actually turned into an adult but of course they don't emerge till may so they tend to just sit in their little chamber under the ground waiting for it to warm up enough for them to emerge now when it comes to emergence time they have to dig out with their mandibles and their front legs and if you look around the base of suitable rotting tree like tree stumps and stuff like that you can sometimes find these small holes and i've seen them in my parents garden the adults themselves being so big and although, you know, they can move at a reasonable pace and fly reasonably well. They are a target for some predators if they can get through their hard shell. And one survey found that 50% of them have been eaten by magpies. Foxes certainly eat them as well. And in urban areas, sadly, a lot of them are killed by cats. There's some fantastic photos online of a frog trying to eat one. And there's a funny picture below it of a stag beetle that's got hold of a frog's leg. Probably the frog tried to have a go and <laughs> the stag beetle fought back a little bit. Probably didn't really know what it was doing, just latches on something. Uh, and there's even a picture of an owl pellet that appears to have remains of a stag beetle. In. Unfortunately, a lot of them get trodden on and run over as well in an urban environment. So apparently the warmth of the road and the pavement, so when the sun sets, of course, it hangs onto the warmth bit a lot, can attract them in. But the main cause of decline appears to be habitat loss. So we've lost a lot of our ancient woodland and a lot of these parks and stuff were too tidy and don't leave a lot of rotting wood. Although that is starting to change. Those attitudes, people building log piles and minibus hotels. And you can help them yourself by doing that. If you build a log pile, try and put some under the ground. Because that, not just stag beetles, that help lots of different creatures and the creatures that feed on them as well. Uh, if you do find any of either species, PTES, Google PTES, People's Trust for Endangered Species, I've mentioned already, are of course surveying it. But please also do send it to your county beetle recorder or records office so they have a record too because I'm not sure how much there is communication between them two is and there's usually a delay anyway. And that can help with, you know, if there's objections to people trying to knock down an ancient woodland, that could help because they are Schedule 5. I don't know how much effect it has on planning, but in theory it should have some. But that's a quick summary there of the famous stag beetle. They're not lesser stag beetle. (laughs) (laughs) It's a really bad name for it. But yes, what people know is a stag beetle. But there is another species, the lesser stag beetle, which Victoria is going to tell you all about now. Yeah, so the lesser stag beetle is its actually the only one of the two that I've seen. So I've never seen a stag beetle in this country. Actually, I don't think I've ever seen one, full stop. But I have seen lesser stag beetles. And they are the smaller cousin of, it, of the much more famous stag beetle that Neil's just told you about. And although it's, it's a smaller it's a smaller beetle it's still pretty big and it can still get up to about four centimeters in length at least i mean you know i've seen them and, and they are still big beetles they're actually often mistaken for a female stag beetle and you know a quick glance if you didn't really know what you were looking at 
you can kind of understand why, because the body shape is a little bit similar. The males in particular still have the mandibles, but on closer inspection, they're actually black. So they're pretty much black all over and they're, they're almost a matte black and they're much squarer in shape than the larger stag beetle. Now with this species, the males and females are actually quite similar. But if you get a chance to kind of see them side by side or, you know, in the same area and you've got males and females, you can actually see that the head and the mandibles in the male are much larger as they are in the other stag beetle, but not as pronounced. So they are bigger, but just not, you know, there's not that much huge um, sexual dimorphism in the lesser stag beetle. Now, interestingly, although the lesser stag beetle is actually found in very similar places, you know, woodlands, parks and that. It has a much wider distribution than the stag beetle. So it is widely distributed in England and Wales and has actually been found as far north as Leeds and York and can actually be uh, quite common in some places. Now, there are some similarities between the two, but there's also quite a lot of differences as well. So adults can be seen anytime from about May to October. They're active mainly at night time where they can be seen flying around and they're also attracted to lights, much as in some areas, more urban areas, Stag beetles can be attracted to light, but it's a beetle that can actually crop up in moth traps from time to time as well. So there's quite a few people have found them in moth traps when they've been doing that. Now, where we do find them in woodlands, parks and gardens, it's particularly in areas where there's ash, common beech and apple trees. So they occur quite a bit in orchards as well, particularly older, more ancient orchards. Adults actually feed on tree sap and whereas the larvae feed on, on rotting wood. Now, this is where things kind of change a little bit because the adults of the lesser stag beetle can actually live for a couple of years as adults, unlike the stag beetle. So the female can lay eggs over two seasons and spend the winter in a torpid state deep in rotting wood or under bark. It's actually not a huge amount known about the mating. It's believed that it normally takes place quite early on, you know, after they've kind of emerged after after the winter period. And it takes place inside decaying wood. And it's thought that it probably happens end to end, like some other wood inhabiting beetles. But it has been observed kind of one on top of the other as well, like a normal mating position for beetles so you know both have been observed but again there's not a huge amount that's known because a lot of it generally takes place in the decaying wood now once they've mated the female will actually lay eggs and she lays them singly inside the wood above the ground and away from the soil and this is where it differs from the stag beetle because they will tend to be you know much more kind of in that soil area uh, less stag beetles it's higher up and she'll actually this is the same behavior really that she'll actually shred some of the wood and lay an egg nearby and it's thought that this shredded wood again it contains special microbes that help the larva digest it so again you know you've got similar kind of behaviors and patterns there that we see between the two beetles now for the eggs that are laid early on in the season the larval stage can actually be as short as just under a year so they'll only overwinter once whereas eggs laid later on in the season will actually overwinter twice as larva in the wood and they'll go through three instar stages before the pupation stage takes place and this takes place in the wood in the summer and the chamber itself is actually made of finely shredded wood and then they'll eventually kind of emerge and and that's when we see them like for me I think you know there are I, I was shocked when I first saw one they are really beautiful beetles and they're striking as well because they are black they don't have mm. you know the brown or, or the reddy tones of, of the normal stag beetle and although they are a lot more understated they I mean, I've seen them on on yellow flowers, and I've you've know, seen them against really kind of contrasting like plants and that, rather not on wood itself. And it really does stand out. And you look at it thinking that you know that's a big beetle. You know, it's um, but I think it's interesting. You know, these are 
these are two of our, our biggest beetles that we have in the UK. And, and again, very much like the stag beetle, if you do find one, it's really important to record where they are because we do need to keep these records coming in. And although the lesser stag beetle is fairly common, I think as with a lot of our species, you know, we have to look at what habitat loss and climate change is actually doing to their spread as well. So as I said, we'll, you know, we will put the links where you can record them you know, record your sightings. But as Neil said, you know, letting your, your county records people know as well is, is a really good idea. So there we go. So that's kind of the stag beetle and lesser stag beetle in a, in a nutshell, really. Just a little nugget of a podcast. Um, probably going to be less than half hour, I think, this one, which is good for my editing. <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> but, might try and we... do one of these every so often just to, you know, give you a little bit extra podcasty goodness. You know, we'll, we'll just pick a different species and pop it in. But we'll we'll actually, so I think Neil's got pictures of stag beetles and I've got a picture of a male lesser stag beetle. So we'll include, you know, we'll, we'll include those in so you can actually see the difference between them as well. Ha- I actually have a picture of where I rescued two male stag beetles and found a couple of lessers that evening. And <laughs> <they're> all, <laughs> those, I have them all stuck on a, on a paving slab so you can see all the differences. So I might have to share that picture, I think. I think that'd be a good one to share, actually, because it's, it said, you know, People quite often confuse the lesser stag beetle with the female stag beetle. And I think once you actually see them, you, you really can see the differences between them. Oh, side by side it is. Yeah, sure. the, I think basically if there's any doubt, it's usually a lesser stag. One of those and, things. and where you are in the country is going to make a huge difference. So, you know, I'm in, in Somerset, kind of East Somerset, really. And I don't know of anywhere that the odd, has the odd stag few, The odd record. It's probably probably not much of a population. It's probably like old ones wandering or I don't know if they fly that far. But, you know, they get moved around by us moving wood and stuff, don't they? Yeah. So, you know, if, if I see something, it's more than likely knowing where I live in the country is more than likely going to be a lesser stag beetle. Yeah. I mean, unless you live in an area of the country where you know you get stag beetles. Yeah, so there's a few hot spots like Richmond Park's a good one. There's a few spots in the New Forest and Epping Forest that'll be good. And my mum's garden. But uh, a funny story, I, I think we've mentioned Ben on the show, haven't we, Ben Andrew? We have, uh, yeah. Uh, the first time he contacted me was to ask if he could pop round to my house to photograph them. So there we go, that's how I know Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Which we were going to do, but he found some in Richmond Park, so didn't have to come as far. I was privileged for a few years to have them in my parents' garden when I lived there for a few years running, but they're... Yeah, amazing creatures. Quite spectacular for a British insect, even compared to dragonflies. One of those special ones. It's definitely one and, that's going to tick this year. I haven't seen one. And now's the time. I mean, you know, both Neil and I have been seeing a lot of posts that people have been seeing mm. them this year. Um, so I think if you if you want to go out and look for them, I think now really is the time to start looking. Yeah. I mean, uh, less uh, stag beetles, I've had better luck in August time, by which time, you, you know, your stag beetles are pretty much gone. Go for a walk in, obviously, make sure it's safe, but go to for a walk in some ancient woodland with lots of oak trees or, or even a park full of oak trees in the evening. And you never know your luck. And if you don't see these stag beetles, you might probably see some bats. So, you know, win win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if you, of course, you remember if you see any, do report them. Please do. So, we're going to sign off. It was just a little quick kind of nugget of stag and lesser stag beetle information for you. And uh, we'll catch you on the next full episode. See you then. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye.